Marina Scorciani. I'm at Lottie's, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's, and I'm excited about today's show because it's going to rock. going to be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's going to be a hell of a ride. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 109 of Meet Us at Molly's. Tonight we're going to go ahead and cover Chicago Med season 2, episode 1. This episode's entitled Soul Care. As always, I'm one of your hosts. My name's Gina. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. And we always like to start with the news. And this is a lot of news for this point in hiatus. I mean, fake news, but yeah. She said it. <laughs> I'm going to take a drink. She said it. I expect this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of fluff maybe a good name for it of like stories that they're putting out to just kind of generate buzz but they don't really contain anything new yeah like it's just kind of more analysis news some of it is except for emily's piece but that's because emily does the lord's work let's be real well, I mean, there's a couple, like, obviously the Osceolo stuff is not is actual news. The deleted scene is news. But, like, a couple of the pieces we're going to talk about tonight, they're more just, like, analysis, opinion things yeah. that we just don't agree with. Yes. <laughs> so the first piece is from TV Line. And TV Line tweeted this out. It was a big, bold headline and a big picture of John Seda. And it said, what's next for Antonio? You know. It's one of those things where it's like, stop what you're doing, click this link, and then you read it, and there's literally nothing new inside. It's just like... I literally have to check the date to make sure that it was something written now and not after the finale. Yeah. The article was literally like, Antonio killed a guy in the mid-season finale. Antonio let Ruzik go down for the murder in the season finale. That's it. It was nothing new. It was literally just a recap, and that was it. Yeah. Just, yeah. Nothing new. They also did one for Connor and Ava on the med side, but it was the exact same. It was just like, they fought. They screwed. Ava hated him. Connor didn't know what to do. Connor's dad died. It was one of those. There was zero new content in those articles. Zero. Yeah. Yeah. Again, analysis, but not even really analysis, but whatever. Exactly. Where there was new information, however, was with the newest friend of the pod, Emily Longaretta, over at Us Weekly. Brenna, go ahead and clue us in on Emily's bit of the Lord's work that she did this week. Yeah, so Emily got an exclusive that Colin Donnell will be returning to Chicago Med for the season five premiere. Um, He will return for only one episode in order to film his character's exit. And that's really all we know. But that was Emily's exclusive. So exciting stuff. I hope his exit is him running off to the Mayo Clinic with Robin. I don't think it's going to be, though. And running. Well, however it ends, I want him running far, far away from Ava. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'm really excited, though, that he's coming back. I'm excited. I'm also just disappointed about the whole situation. It's well, something that I haven't yes. gone over. Yes, I'm disappointed about the whole situation, but I'm glad that he's coming back to do Connor justice and that they are hopefully going to do Connor justice 
because he's agreeing to come back for one episode. Are there any character exits in the Chicago universe that they actually have nailed? <laughs> no. Like, I can't even think of what. Shay, no. Mills, no. Lindsay, no. Well, at least Gabby, Mills, Mills got no. like, they didn't kill Mills, and he sort of got a happy ending. Yeah, but that's what he deserved. Oh, no, no. I, I will say that Mills deserved better until, you know, my dying day. Roman got, okay, Roman's exit was, like, not bad. But we hated him to begin with, so it was just kind of like, bye. But that's sad when Roman, Roman, of all people, has the best exit, arguable, arguably. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Like, that's sad. It is sad. I can't even, who else? Oh, Sarah Reese? No. Terrible oh, exit. I mean, no, well, terrible, like, non-existent exit, but, like, like, literally everyone has a bad exit. They just don't do exits well. It's not good. And even all the minor characters, like, I'm thinking about all the fire minor characters that, like, you kind of get attached to, but then they just disappear and they're never really talked about again. Yeah. Like, also, terrible exits. And I'm noticing the ones that I didn't mind were ones where we hated the characters, like you were saying with Roman. So, like, Hope, yeah, we just, like, draw kicked her and punted her out of Chicago, and that was fine. I wasn't even thinking about that though i was thinking more like the clark new house level on fire where we don't mind them and we like them but they just kind of disappear and they're never brought back up again Didn't and they new just house kind of just like fall off the face of the earth yeah new house fell off the face of the earth before clark who we're gonna talk about tonight like went to med he disappeared kind of off the face of the earth too like it's just like okay sure yeah I mean, it kind of goes back to what we've talked about. When we talk about character exits, there's really no good way to, like, you know, make a character leave the universe. But still. But still. Yeah. But still. Exactly. Just, yeah. I'm going to preemptively say that Connor Rhodes deserved better before I even see the season premiere. Yeah. Yeah. So elsewhere, TV Insider did an opinion piece. Um, titled Why Chicago Fire Season 8 Should Not Include a Casey and Brett Romance. I think for our opinion on this, you know, consult previous episode, whichever, where we discussed it in depth about how we feel. Yeah, I just, I think the thing that I got from this, and granted, it's an opinion piece, so they're titled to their own opinion, but like, is a lot focused on the Gabby and Antonio of it all, which is, like, in some regards, a valid argument. But, like, they're both gone from the show. They're not coming back. We just can't let that be the only reason why you don't like a ship. We just it can't. Do you remember towards the end of this past season of PD when – it might have been the Blair episode – when I actually tweeted Marina and I asked her, I was like, you know, given what you're saying about Burgess, do you think she feels any sort of way about Ruzik? And she said no. Do you remember that? Yeah, 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 I feel like that might be how Sylvie feels about Antonio. I think they're so far gone now that that might be how she feels. It might just be a past part of her life that she's moved on from. Right. And especially because we have had no indication since, which is unfortunate because I really liked Sylvie and Antonio, but whatever. But we've had no indication since 
she ran into him when he was going on his blind date that she's even thought of him. Right. That's literally the last thing we saw of them. And that was a season and a half ago. Yeah, that's so. entirely correct. But again, yeah. it's an opinion piece. We are all entitled to our own opinions. However you feel about it is a-okay. A-okay. Right, exactly. So. Elsewhere, we've got a piece from TV Guide. Good old TV Guide. Uh, five totally plausible theories about how Connor will exit Chicago Med. This had to be somewhat satirical, right? I think one of them, I think the aliens one was, and the fact that I just said the word aliens in the same sentence as Chicago Med is insane, but. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, yeah, the first theory up is that he's abducted by aliens, which is like, it only makes sense if it's some sort of like hospital oversight that leads to said aliens gaining access to the ED. Or maybe there's a bomb that goes off. I don't know. It, yeah, I mean. Obviously, it's not that kind of show, but it's also not completely not plausible, given the stuff that the doctors deal with at Med. Give Jeff and Steve and the writer's room some more credit, Gina. They're not that crazy. That, that's correct. I apologize. I'm going to chuck my wine now. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so he's like abducted by aliens in one theory for this. He goes out and gets coffee and never returns. He just chills in the background and, like, we never actually see him. He's just mentioned, but we never actually see him. He quits. He dies. The only two I think are the actually plausible are the last two. Um, but I don't think they're going to kill Connor. I think he's going to quit um, or some version of that. But, like, I still just can't believe TV Guy posted this, like, at all. Yeah. Like, it's free. Can TV Guide, it, I, I don't, I, I, I don't get how they that made it past. This is almost editors, like but. reverse clickbait, right? Because they're saying, you know, five totally plausible theories about how Connor will exit, and you're thinking it's going to be like completely plausible stuff, and then it's he's abducted by Not. aliens, he disappears. Right. Yeah. The fact that plausible is in their headline and he's abducted by aliens is in their story. It's like this is so fucking stupid. I can't even. We're salty tonight. And if it's satirical, though, and which is fine. Like, if it's satirical and, like, they want to go aliens and all that stuff, like, okay, fine. But that that's not what you want from TV Guide. You're supposed to be able to trust TV Guide a little bit more, right? Yeah. In theory, in theory, you're supposed to be able to trust TV Guide as, like, a reputable news source. But when they're putting things out, like, plausible and then talking about aliens abducting a character, it's like, what the fuck? TV Guide, though, and we've said this before, they are, like, the kings and queens of clickbaity headlines, though. Right, but, like, still, it's, it's all so fucking stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Brenna, please take us through the next bit. So, we got another PD deleted scene, because, again, we can only ever seem to get PD deleted scenes. Um, Hashtag blessed. I'll be honest, I didn't get to watch it, but I know it's Voight and Platt, right? Yeah, it's Voight and Platt, and literally, I don't even remember the context of this scene. I just remember seeing it. I, I saw the, like, the scene, of course, but then I was like, I don't even remember where or when this happened. Oh, I remember what it is. Uh, Voight's walking in, and 
Platt is just basically like, I got one of the best attorneys in the city to draft up a letter of exoneration for Alinsky. The signature you need is on your desk. And Voight's just like, I told you I was handling it. And Platt's just like, yeah, I know, but the signature it needs is on your desk. So it was, it, it was like the quintessential filling in the white space type of scene. But yeah, I yeah. did not remember where it fit in at all. Yeah, but of course, again, another PD's deleted scene. Not that we're complaining, but we never get any for fire and med, and it's sad. I will never complain about a deleted scene, though. No, never. Ever. Keep feeding Just us sad. PD, please. So the last bit of news we have, we got a fire scoop in this week's Ask Ossiello. Um, I guess we're kind of getting back to that time of year now where like we start to get a couple little scoops here and there. And they're going back Thank to God. filming. Yeah, they're starting they're they're starting to kind of trickle back into Chicago now. So the scoops should kind of pick up as the weeks go on, which is nice. Um, let's see, we're recording this on Thursday. And so I know Tori posted a video today that she was on her way back to Chicago. Daniel Kyrie was back. So they're all starting to slowly return. Which is good, because I've awesome. missed them. Yeah. But the scoop in Ask Osiella this week, a new paramedic is heading to town, perhaps to replace the newly engaged Brett? Question mark. And the recurring character sounds like Anderson Cooper, minus a couple dozen IQ points. To me, it sounds like it could just be the, one of the guys from the Chili Cook-Off. Um, their names escape me right now. But... Uh. Not the Crap. one with the dark hair, uh, the one from the Sonic commercials. Yeah. The down the down guys. I know what you're talking about. Their their names completely escape me right now, but it's not the tall one with the dark hair. It's the guy who's in all the Sonic commercials. Like it sounds like it It's not Macaulay. Um Macaulay's the tall the guy, guy, right? Yeah, the other guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So that'll be interesting. I don't well, know. Like, See, when, to me, when you say Anderson Cooper, though, I mean, I guess he could be, like, Anderson Cooper to me, just, I guess, because of what I know him from, screams, like, news journalist, not paramedic. But So, like, I have a hard time thinking of, like, what a paramedic that's supposed to be Anderson Cooper minus a couple dozen IQ points sounds like. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means either, because when I hear Anderson Cooper, I just imagine a tall guy with a bow tie. Anderson Cooper? Does he not wear bow ties? Is he not the bow tie guy? I saw him speak my freshman year of college. He's not that tall. Oh, I mean, he seems tall on TV. Oh. Does he no, wear the crazy bow tie guys? That, he, does he wear crazy bow ties or am I thinking of somebody else? You're th are you thinking Bill Nye the science guy? I am not thinking of Bill Nye the science guy. I know the difference between Bill Nye and Anderson Cooper. I might be thinking of that other news guy with like the... The glasses and, like, the hair. Um, Other news guy with the glasses and the hair. I don't know who you're talking about. I think I know who I'm talking about, but then my brain's going between, like, two different people, and it's two completely... I was literally about to say, I just Googled Anderson Cooper, and none of these pictures have him in a bow tie. I was going to say, I don't think I've ever seen Anderson Cooper in a bow tie, like, ever. I'm thinking of somebody else on the news who does crazy bow ties then. But I'm, I still imagine Anderson Cooper being tall, but, I mean, he just looks tall on TV. Fun fact, he's not that tall. But, um... We didn't get cool people to speak at my college graduation, so... Whatever. Uh, well, yeah. But, 
Anyway, I just like, you know what I mean though? Like, I don't imagine Anderson Cooper and then think paramedic. Right. I think Anderson Cooper and think like reporter or like almost like a Naomi type character from last season, not paramedic. So, like, I don't know that description is a little weird to me. Yeah, no, same, same. So, I mean, we'll see. I'm imagining also, it's yeah, going to be a tall guess, guy, but I guess not. Also, I mean, if we're getting a new paramedic, I mean, I guess that means Brett is leaving early on like I like I don't yeah leaving quote-unquote um for the first couple episodes at least like I don't I, I don't know Alrighty, so that's all the news we've got as always you guys know the deal if you see something please send it to us however you would like to get in touch with us it works you guys are really good about alerting us to news that we don't see but yeah otherwise just you know send us whatever um that would be great I think it is time to jump into the episode what do you think Brenna Yes, let's do it. All right, so this is the season two premiere of Chicago Med. It's entitled Soul Care. I think we should probably touch on why we chose this episode, because this kind of seems like a random one with no context, right? Yeah. So we basically were trying to decide what Med episodes we should cover over hiatus, and then we both realized that we don't really remember season two. Like, at all. At all. We just remember there was a panda, and that's about it. All I really remember about season two of Med is, like, the last five episodes, because that's when you go with, like, the Jay and Natalie stuff, and, like, Manstead really picks up, and, like, Sex Toy really picks up. Like, that's where, and the Robin stuff. Like, I remember the last, like, few episodes of season two, but, like, I really had no idea what happened in early season two. Like, at all. Yeah, I just, I, there was a panda, and yeah, all the other stuff just kind of took off in season three, like you said. Yeah, and I think it also, like, I don't even remember that much of season one except for the DNR and stuff, but, like, I remember so much more of season three just because that's when we started doing the podcast, so, like, we were paying, like, ten times closer attention. Right. Um, And I honestly think Met got a lot better in season three, but that's my own opinion, so... I don't think I even remember how season two ended. Like, I don't even remember that finale. Season two? Yeah. Sex toy gets together. Noah has his graduation party. Um, Manstead. Shit, I forget what Manstead happens. Um, Robin has her whole um, breakthrough. Yeah, no, season two. I remember how season two ended. Oh, Dr. Charles gets shot. Hello. <laughs> Correct. Hello. How do we forget about that? Hello. Hello. Yeah. So. Yeah. Just a completely normal day at Chicago Med. Yeah. Um. I don't remember. Oh, Ava shows up. Yeah. Okay. Well, one of us remembers the finale. That's good. Yeah. I don't remember it much more. So hence why we're doing episode one. Yes. Yes. So consider this kind of our season two rewatch. So let's start off with Natalie, Will, and Jeff, because, oh, yeah, Clark is still around. I yeah. loved Clark. Again, I did, too. I really loved Clark in this stuff. We'll talk about it. Um, but I love Clark on Med. I just love Clark in general. I also, like, Med is such a different world in early season, too. Like, there's so much I was like, wait, that's a thing? What What is happening right now? Yeah, absolutely. And it's just funny to see, you know, 
April or April Ethan and April Ethan and April are just kind of like circling each other like they're not really together and then you know Natalie and Will are just kind of they were what I was gonna say Ethan and April are in like opposite orbits oh yeah completely yeah they like barely know that the other exists it's crazy and then you know Jealous Will is still around, and then Clark is just kind of, like, lurking in the background. It's just, it's so different. Little babies. Wild. Yeah. So we start the episode, and Natalie has gone, like, full airline pilot-ish. She's in a helicopter. She's in her, like, air-something jumpsuit, and there's basically, there. there's been an accident, and so she is watching over a pregnant woman, and... Of course, you know, this girl has a ruptured aorta because it's never as easy as, oh, this pregnant girl was in an accident. Oops. But Connor suggests performing a C-section to take the baby out because she's 34 weeks. And Natalie's like, yeah, hell no. Not. Yeah, she's like, we have to keep the baby in. Like, she has to deliver full term. She's so close. And Connor's like, what the fuck are we doing? (laughs) She's so adamant about going full term. And Connor's like, do you not see the fact that she was in a car accident? Like, what are you not seeing what's in front of you? What's happening right now? Right. It's. This is like, yeah, this is Natalie, like peak Natalie, peak Natalie. And so apparently it's a pseudo aneurysm. So like, it's not an aneurysm. I think something's just like leaking, right? Yeah, it hasn't, like, fully ruptured, but it's, like, close to rupturing, which is why they're like, we're going to wait and see if it'll repair itself, because sometimes it does. And so Natalie's happy, but Connor's like, yeah, but we should really do some kind of, like, the procedure or whatever. But Natalie's like, no, we can just wait and it'll repair itself, hopefully. And nothing ever really repairs itself at Chicago Med? No, Natalie, that's not how this works. I mean, it is how it works sometimes, but, like, only by miracles. Only by miracles. And then typically when things do repair themselves, it only does that to go wrong later. Also, she's 34 weeks. It's not like she's 24 weeks. I don't understand. Natalie. Like, what are we doing, girl? I know. I know. This is, I mean, this is when Natalie was, like, beyond peak Natalie. Like, I feel like nowadays she would... I want to say, like, have a little more sense, but that's not, like, the right way to put it. But I feel like nowadays she would be more so, she would be more understanding of Connor and be like, okay, you know, I get that she's close to full term, but we should probably fix this. I don't know what's really changed in her, but I feel like she would be a little bit more understanding. Her and Connor were, like, full on, I mean, not that they ever really got over it, but they were, like, full on kind of antagonists back then, like, in this point. And, like... They never even hinted at it, but, like, I feel like this could have been a good, like, enemies to lovers trope if they had really wanted to go there. Ooh. I never really thought about that. They definitely had chemistry. I I could see that. I could see that, yeah. I think think your note about them being antagonists is pretty interesting because I I never really thought of them that way, probably because they're always at different corners of the hospital. But they both have such strong personalities and they're both so adamant when they make a decision that, hell yeah, I absolutely see that they would butt heads. Right. Not that they hate each other, not like enemies and that like they hate each other, but like antagonists and that they just have strong personalities and like never seem to see I never seem to see eye to eye. Right. And like professionally, they would definitely butt heads. 
Right. I mean, this episode, case in point. Um, but yeah, like, I just feel like they always had good chemistry and I feel like, you know what? I'm like, sometimes like, you know what? I could have been here for this for like a hot second. So do you think Connor and Natalie would have been better or worse than Connor and Ava? Um, well, I feel like anything can almost be better than Ava. I know. I know. Only because uh, they made her. And there are at least little bit of separation with Natalie and Connor because they at least work in different departments. True. And they wouldn't so have been working be like, side by side as much. Right. They Well, they wouldn't necessarily have been competing professionally. They would have been maybe working together, mm-hmm. but not competing. Do you think it would have been like a triangle between Connor and Will and Nat if they decide to explore it? I would have, see, I would have thought they would have gone there at some point, but they did not, so... Yeah, and, and that, that is interesting, especially given how Connor and Will butted heads in season one. It, it it would almost seem, like, too easy to put those three in a triangle, right? Right. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, I can't, I'm still kind of shocked they never went there. The more, I, yeah, the more we talk about it and the more I think about it, I'm kind of shocked about it, too, now. I'm just like, oh, well, damn. Okay. Like, I'm not saying they had to be, like, endgame. Like, if you still wanted me instead to be endgame, okay, fine. Like, whatever. But, like... I'm surprised I didn't at least explore it or at least have them hook up or something. Right. I agree with that. Like, I mean, come on. Two hot doctors. Like, I just, I don't get, like, I don't get it. It's almost like a Linzeride situation where it's like, you know, they're not endgame. You know, they're not going to be much more, but they have to try it. They have to at least explore it and say, okay, we did it. You know? Right. Right. Exactly. It's an interesting note. So... Yeah, so Connor and Nat decide to wait and see if the pseudo-aneurysm will repair itself. And in that time, the father, who seemed perfectly fine at first, he collapses. So that's kind of what's going on with their patient. Meanwhile, Doris and Maggie are, you know, having girl talk. And they are talking about how there's a new crop of people in the hospital and they're scoping out the guys. And Doris just makes an offhand comment about how maybe the ice princess will finally find somebody in the crop of newbies. First of all, I think Ice Princess is the perfect nickname for Natalie. I don't know what she got so pissed at. Just saying. Well, nobody wants to be called an Ice Princess. Like, it might be perfect, but nobody wants to be called that. Except for Elsa. Well, yeah. <laughs> Brian is trying so hard right now not to roll her eyes at me for that Disney reference. <laughs> but, like, you wouldn't want to be called an Ice Princess, even if you were one. True. That's completely valid. I know. If somebody called me an ice princess, I'd be like, what? I am not. So I get it. I get it. I'm just saying. But that did have a big comeback, though. When she was, like, just a princess, why not the ice queen? True story. Yes, that was a good clapback. So. It was good. It was good. So, meanwhile, another patient comes in, and Clark takes on the case. He was injured. He has HIV, but Will basically comes in and takes over. And so... I get where Will's coming from here because Jeff is in med school, just saying. But at the same time, I'm like, Will, you're being a little extra and a little harsh and just, like, turn it down. Just There's also nothing Jeff – like, this wasn't the moment – like, I mean, later on there's a moment where, like, Jeff does something he probably shouldn't have done. But, like, in this case, he's literally just checking the patient out and Will basically comes in and he's like, my patient now. I'm the patient – or I'm the lead doctor now. Like, kind of like the – um Tom Hanks, the captain, captain whatever I can't the movie. But like my patient now. I'm the like I'm the captain now. Like, I'm the that's doctor now. <laughs> yeah. I'm the doctor now. Like like that's what like, 
<laughs> That's what Will's doing in this scene. And it's like, Will, what are we doing? Come on now. Oh my goodness, that's funny. Yeah, and so basically the patient, he doesn't like crash, but something happened. Oh, I know what it is. His eyes start swelling. It's one of those really gruesome things that they do on medical shows just because it's like particularly gruesome. The guy had like really bad swelling behind his eye, like to the point that like your eye just kind of like shuts in on itself. And if they don't do something, like you'll lose the eye. Grey's Anatomy did it once and it was gross. I just remember that. But Jeff, or yeah, Jeff's basically just like, Okay, I'm going to handle this. I got this. And Will basically catches him mid-act. And he just kind of throws a hissy fit about it because Jeff did it without orders from an attending. It's just Will things. You know, just completely Will things. But, yeah. And so Maggie's like, Maggie's just kind of looking at him. I love this, too, because Maggie doesn't say anything. Maggie just side-eyes him. And Will just says, he's like, it's for his own good. I know what happens when you don't follow protocol. It's not personal. So all of a sudden, Will sees the light for like a split second. Yeah. I mean, I think he's kind of because like we'll talk about this later because I didn't really know where to put it because it kind of doesn't really do with anything. But the whole episode two, Sharon has a moment where she goes up to Will and she's like, listen, like I'm going to need your malpractice insurance. And Will's like, I know, but like I'm not really having a hard time. Like I'm having a hard time getting someone to insure me, <laughs> um, which duh, even though the lawsuit was dropped, but like duh, Will. Whatever. This is what happens when we disregard the rules. Right. And so I think because that's weighing on his mind, he's like, I don't like on the one hand, he's like, I don't want to see Jeff screw up. But on the other hand, too, like he's also partly jealous, too, because something we skipped over is that before this whole thing, Jeff and Natalie are hanging out at lunch, like outside and they're talking and they're both complaining to one another. Um, but Will sees them. Will goes over to like a food truck and like, it's only like a two second glance, but he like glances over them and you can definitely tell he's jealous, but he's like looking over them. So he sees that like, Oh, Jeff and Natalie, is that a thing? Like, I don't, you know, whatever. And so even though he says it's not personal, we all know it's slightly personal. You know, my favorite thing about that scene though, is how it's so in the background, like literally it's just focus on Natalie and will just goes walking through the frame and that's it. It's like, yeah, it's like, if you took that scene with Otis and Stella when Otis did like the dramatic exit and like his face just kind of lingered and then he went, it's kind of like that. Just it was just completely background. Will was just kind of like slowly and creepily walking through frame. It's kind of funny. Yeah, which I mean, like that's what I'm saying. Like it's so subtle, but like obviously they focus on him just enough so you can see that it's Will. Yeah. Um, and just enough to know that it's like a moment. Um, which is why, like, when this comes after and he's like, it's not personal, it's like, oh, well, it may not be 100% personal, but, like, it's definitely, like, 90% personal. Usually or when maybe Will just... says something like that, he means the opposite. Right. I mean, I do think in the one hand, he was, in some regard, looking out for Jeff's career, but, like, that's not the main reason he did that. Yeah. No, he's just, he's acting that way. And rationalizing with himself and telling him, like, oh, it's because of this reason. No, it's because you're jealous, Will. Green is not a good color on you. Actually, I lie because green is a totally good color for a redhead. And he wore that shirt the last day of Con and looked like Ed Sheeran, but that's beside the point. But still. But yeah. Yeah. So it's just, oh, Will. Just, oh, Will. <laughs> Sweet little Will. Goodness. So back on Natalie's patient, Dr. Rhodes is recommending surgery again, but Natalie is still hesitant. Granted, she eventually agrees. 
So they deliver the baby via C-section, right? That's, yeah. That's them delivering the baby. I don't know what it was about that scene, but it just, like, looked fake. I mean, it looked like it was, like, television. Like, I don't know. Something about it. I was, like, the way they cut it, I don't know. It was just, like, it did not look real. And maybe because I'm thinking of, like, I, I've i seen pictures of my mother's C-section and, like, the way – no one's going to be able to see this because this is not video. But, like, <laughs> they cut – and at least in the, what I've seen, they cut vertically. And in this case, it looked like they cut horizontally, like a down below the belly button. And I was like, I don't think that's how you deliver a baby, but I could be wrong. You've seen pictures? And if I'm wrong, of my mom's C-section? Yeah. Yeah, or there's video. I mean, hello, I was born that way. Like, I, my birth's on camera. I I just, I don't know. I, I know my mom had one with me, but I've never seen photo or video. I probably don't want to, but that's interesting. I mean, I just like, you know, and like just from scarring, like, you know, like it yeah. seems like it, it seems like it's this way. Vertical? I'm pretty sure it's vertical. I could be wrong. I don't know. Just something about the fact that they cut horizontally just seemed wrong. I thought they cut you like hip Now to I kind of want to Google it, but I'm scared. <laughs> please Google it. Please, please, please. Uh, RC section vertical. I'm so scared for what you're about to find. <laughs> oh, I think they some can be. I think they can be. Maybe my mom's was just vertical. Um, according to AmericanPregnancy.org, uh, where did it go? Oh, maybe I'm wrong. Well, apparently they can't, they can do it vertically, but apparently the most common incision is made horizontally. So I think I'm wrong. I think my mom's was just vertically. We're not very good TV doctors, Brenna. No, it just looked fake. I'm sorry. It just, it looked very TV-ish, but I guess I'm wrong. Do you think you're scarred by that scene when Natalie had to deliver that baby on the construction floor with Dr. Charles? Yeah, wasn't that one vertically? I don't remember if it was vertical or horizontal. I just remember the behind the scenes photo and both of us being like, we could probably have gone our rest the rest of our lives without ever seeing that. Yeah, now I feel like I want to just go watch every TV C-section, TV C-section, not real life C-sections, just to see whether they're horizontal horizontal or vertical. I'm fascinated now. I'm so fascinated. And now we know the content of a bonus episode that you guys will probably hear in August. <laughs> yeah. Goodness. No shame. No shame. So everything with Nat's patient and the baby is a success. That's great. And actually, I when the baby is born, it's interesting because Connor and Nat, you see them work really well together as a team because, like, basically they deliver the baby and then Nat takes him. And Hence what I'm saying. It's the perfect enemies to lovers trope. They have their moments of, like, where they can work together, but they still most of the time are butting heads. That's how the trope works. It's great. I'm just saying. I have so many what if questions now. Like, if they had gone that route, would they have written Connor into a corner of him being an asshole? Would they have thrown the baby out with the bathwater? Like, I have a million no, questions because now. The point of the enemies to lovers, it's like elite, right? It's like an elite with Nadia and Guzman, how it's like enemies to lovers in some regard, but like 
the person who's the good the good person or the better person like the guy who's or girl who's considered bad like wants to become a better person for said good person so connor would have been considered the quote-unquote bad one i guess so i don't know interesting I don't know. I'm just making shit up now. But, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, someone, like, when you talk about him writing into a corner or, like, would he always be considered an asshole? Well, like, I don't think so. I think that if it was done right, it would have just developed into, like, one or the other becoming a better person for the other person. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I feel like we're admitting. I mean. I was just like, nah. I was like, Nadia and Guzman, there's my comparison. Like, there we go. Yeah. And by the way, if you haven't watched Elite yet, what are you doing? Go watch it once you're done with this episode. Catch up before season two in September. That's all I got to say. We don't have a date in September, right? We just know September. Yeah, we just know September. But So good. Yeah. So but good. anyway. Yeah, so they end up not being able to save the dad. Um, and right when they're they're basically about to declare him dead, and he comes back to life. Just in time for so his daughter tough. and his granddaughter to come in and basically for him to meet his granddaughter. It's wild. It's like, they're, they no, they literally declare him dead. Latham's like, time of death, 15, whatever. And then they like are turning around to like walk out of the door and like, Will hears something on the monitor and they turn around and he can like see his eyes open. It's like, what the fuck? I, yeah, I remember, I do remember that. So I remember that as season two and just being like, whoa, that, that was a powerful moment. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And then I'll let you go ahead with what Dr. Latham says, because I will not do it justice. Oh, well, so yeah, he, because like, it's a very Jewish episode for Dr. Latham. I have some things we'll talk about later. But um, he like says this thing in Hebrew, which is Brooke Diane Hamet, which is like, basically like blessed as a true judge. And it's like a common death blessing in Hebrew basically saying that like you know how like when people die like we question like why did this person have to die over this person and like why this like why now like why did this have to happen or whatever Mm -hmm. and it's basically saying that like god knows the reason and like god is the judge for like why that person had to die um and so like that's what latham says in this scene which i just think is interesting Um, cool touch yeah it is cool and it's like really cool when you think about it in judaism too because like there's this whole thing in Judaism where, like, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur being, like, two of the biggest holidays, Rosh Hashanah being the Jewish New Year, and Yom Kippur happening ten days after that. And, like, the idea is that, like, on Rosh Hashanah, um, your, like, fate for the next year is written. So, like, whether who lives, who dies, like, who will perish, and, like, how they'll perish, whatever. And then, like, on Yom Kippur, it's sealed. And so just kind of, like, tying back into the fact that, like, God is the judge of, like, who dies and why they die and whatever. And so the fact that Latham says all that in that scene is just very interesting. Interesting. That's just a cool moment of them, like, finessing the details and, like, crossing their T's and dotting their I's. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm about to complain about it later on. But, yeah, we'll we'll go back to that later. <laughs> we'll go back to the Latham later because I have thoughts. <laughs> so... Nat and Jeff go out drinking at Molly's after work. Jeff basically offers for her to come over for a nightcap. She says yes. You know. I'm here. I I also really liked Nat and Clark, too. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, they definitely have some good chemistry. I like their banter. I like that they have a past. Like, I liked all of that. I don't remember how they ended, but I like it. Oh, season two is Will and Nina, too, isn't it? 
Uh-huh. This is a good season for Manstead. Uh-huh. Because they're not together. Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, yeah. I, yes and no. The people that they're with in this season are very good for them. There. Right. Right. Exactly. Sorry, I was hearing a noise outside and I was like, the fuck is that? But it's okay. Uh, yeah, the people that they're with are just really good for them. And so, yeah, I mean, I really liked Nat and Jeff. I think when they started to go south was when Nat got pulled in front of the M&M committee, the mortality and something or whatever. It's that group that they form when somebody dies and then they like investigate or she basically had to go before a board or like a review board of her peers and Jeff like spoke up in the middle of it to defend her and she got pissed because she was like I don't need you to fight my battles. I don't remember that at all. I remember more about season two than I thought. I don't remember that at all. I just remember that and I remember Will watching and being like this is awkward. Um that's when they started to go south. I don't remember. They might have, like, broken up for good when he got the residency in Hawaii. Is that what broke him up for good? It might have been. I can't remember for sure. Uh, who knows? But, yeah. I liked them in this. I liked this episode for them. Yeah. Yeah. It also just makes me slightly bitter, though, that, like, there's still so much we don't know about Natalie's husband. Or ex-husband like there's so much we don't know i'm still i'm still holding on to the idea that he's gonna pop up alive eventually just because i watch so much television that i've learned that like when they say somebody's well, dead they're not jay actually had dead jay had a wife pop up out of nowhere mm-hmm. yep yep i just just from years of watching tv i just i feel like i've learned that like just because they say somebody's dead doesn't mean they're actually dead but i'm probably way off base i hope so at least that would be awkward uh but yeah no we never learned anything about natalie's ex-husband and like just even the glimpse that we got they were talking about like and just i think too the thing that i really liked about jeff and natalie at least in this episode was that natalie seems like more carefree and like not herself not in a bad way but like not as uptight as when she's with jeff because like he's telling that story he's like remember how we went out to this like Greek restaurant or whatever. And like you ended up getting on the table and like throwing plates or whatever, like she ended up doing. Yeah. And whatever the story is, but like, I can't even imagine Natalie like that. And so to think that like Jeff is like, remembering, like knew her then and like knows a different side to her. I'm just like, I don't know. Like I like that. Yeah. Same. And I mean, when you, when you think of her with Clark versus her with Will, Clark is way more laid back. He's more mellow. And so when she's with Will, it's not that she's trying to keep up with him or compete with him. It's that they almost kind of egg each other on, right? In terms right. of like, yeah, they just, Will and Nat just kind of egg each other on. And so Jeff was just a lot more laid back and a lot more mellow. So she didn't really feel like she constantly had to be, you know, making this crucial decision, making that crucial decision, you know, doing this for her patient, doing that for her patient, like that kind of stuff. Well, and they were definitely more the opposites attract. Like, Natalie and Will are not complete opposites, whereas, like, Jeff and Natalie are, like, complete opposites. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. So. It's interesting. Yeah. I know. Um, a couple of our listeners, when we said that we were covering this episode, they got really excited. So, um, Sinead, or Sinead said, you know, is it weird that I miss Jeff 
on, or is it weird that I miss Jeff on fire, but not med? Like, I really miss his friendship with Severide. No, that's not weird. Not weird at all. No. I mean, if I have... No, I do really miss Jeff on fire. I loved Jeff on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I liked him on med too, but like, he didn't stick around long enough. So like, it kind of sucks. Uh, but I do miss him on fire too. I mean, I just miss him in general. I just really like the character. But see, I, it's interesting that she remembers his friendship with Severide. I don't remember his friendship with Severide that much. I remember it obviously more with Mills. Yeah. Like, that's what I think of when I think of Clark's friendships on fire. Like, I think of Clark and Mills, not Clark and Severide. So that's I interesting. Just, I don't really recall Clark and Sev ever really being bros. I just kind of recall Clark, you know, being a, another member of Squad. I mean, I think Seth had, the, like, him and Seth had a few moments when Clark was going through that. Remember that time they accused Clark of murder thing where... Take a drink, another was... character was accused of murder. <laughs> yeah, so I think they had some new, few moments then where, like, Seth defended him and was like, mm-hmm. no, like, what the fuck, like, Clark's a good guy. Mm-hmm. But, like, I definitely just obviously remember more of Mills than... Sev. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just missed the character in general. I just really liked him. And I was really excited when they said he was going back to med. I just wish he could have stuck around. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we also got a message from Carol, and she said that Jeff and Tori were good together. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah. Elsewhere in the hospital, we had Ethan, Dr. Charles, and Sarah. TBT. TBT, man. TBT. So basically where we left off at the end of season one was that Sarah quit pathology. She basically turned down the residency. And so when we pick back up, Sarah is working at a coffee shop. And oh my goodness, do I feel completely attacked by this. Um, I was that person with a professional degree working in a coffee shop. So I know that feel way too well. Way, way, way too well. Just, yeah. Brought back memories. That's all. Brenda, will you take us through the rest of them? Yeah. So, also, Dr. Charles is in a wheelchair because he apparently tripped over a suitcase. And, like, I definitely do not remember this at all. (laughs) I remember him being in the wheelchair. I don't remember him, it being because he tripped over a suitcase. I thought in real life, Oliver Platt had had knee surgery or something. I I think that's why. But, like, apparently it's... In the show, it's because he tripped over a suitcase, which is so stupid, but okay. Hmm. Interesting. Why couldn't he have just had knee surgery? Like, I don't understand, but whatever. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, basically, Dr. Charles comes and is like, Med has a residency opening in psychiatry with me if you want it. And she's like, I don't know. And he says, he's like, well, let's come, like, come hang out with me for the day and you can see what you think. I like how she just literally, like, left her shift to go spend the day at the hospital. She was just like, peace out, make your own coffee, I'm leaving, bye. Pretty much. I'm pretty sure she probably also got fired for that, but whatever, we don't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also, Ethan is starting off his first day as chief resident, and he's, like, eager, and he has all these ideas on how to improve, like, the uh, ED's patient flow, and, you know... Will offers him some scheduling sheets. He's like, no, nah, I don't need that. And Will's like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah. And Will's like, okay. I thought that was so cute when he walks in and then like Maggie turns to Goodwin and she's like, I just hate crushing their dreams. Yeah. 
So basically, Toy starts working on a patient who overdosed on fentanyl. Um, they call in, or he calls in Sarah and Dr. Charles to consult. Um, they go in and they try to talk to her, but she doesn't really want to talk because they never want to talk. And so her mom had like made some kind of offhand comment about the patient's social media. And so they end up doing a deep dive and because they're like, oh, well, maybe she was bullied or whatever. Turns out she wasn't really bullied. She was the bully on social media. And it ends up being like Sarah ends up being able to go talk to the girl again. And they end up finding out that she self-diagnosed herself with the Tiligo. Vitiligo. Yeah. There we go. Um, and she was afraid that everyone was going to make fun of her. And so that's why she tried to kill herself with the fentanyl. And so then Sarah goes and sees Joey because LOL TBT when Sarah and Joey were a thing. They were so cute. That's like a real throwback. Joey. Oh my God. TBT. And I thought it was going to be awkward. I kind of forgot they were still together at this point because... I was like, oh, that's a little awkward. And then they kissed, and I was like, oh, okay, they're still together. Never mind. (laughs) They were so cute, though. Yeah. And so Joey's like, no, she doesn't have vitiligo. She has tinea versicolor, which is like a yeast infection of some sort. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's all it was. And then Dr. Charles ends up kind of – Sarah's like, I cured, I fixed it. See, like I gave her some medicine and whatever. And Dr. Charles is like, yeah, that's great. But I don't want to crush your dreams. But, like, we still didn't really fix her. Like, she still has the, you know, social media stuff and the thinking, you know, caring too about too much of everyone else's opinions. Like, that part is not fixed. Yeah, you cured her infection, but, like, you didn't fix that part. Interesting. So, Yeah. But Sarah does end up deciding to take the resident position because, duh, why wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Ethan realizes this whole time everyone's basically, like, calling him out because he can't get his shit together. Like, he's mixing up all the bays and, you know, putting, like, saying a trauma bay is cleared when it's not cleared and whatever. And he ends up, like, admitting defeat towards the end and asks Will for his scheduling sheets. And even at one point, Kendra, because hello, Kendra was on med. I told you Kendra was in the early seasons. Which is so, whatever. (laughs) She was in Lakeshore, I swear. But um, she, like, calls Ethan out for, like, not even having this ED situation straight. And she's like, yeah, my patient had to wait two and a half hours when there was the bed open the entire time. Like, what the fuck, dude? I don't think we've ever seen Kendra be nice, ever. Well, when she was with Shay. Or not with, but you know what I mean, like friends with Shay. I don't remember that at all. I've got to go back and like brush up. She would, they were lesbian BFFs. Like, don't understand how you don't remember that. I just don't remember. I don't know. Maybe I need to do my own rewatch of season one of Fire. Maybe. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's the Ethan, that's that situation. Yeah. Um. I'm going to let you take us through Connor and Dr. Latham, too, because I'm looking at the end of this outline and I'm just like, whoa. So (laughs) I'm going to let you take us right on through. So this is the first time, really, that we get to see the Connor and Dr. Latham stuff. Also, that first scene where Connor's, like, looking at the picture of Dr. Downey, like, all the tears. Just yeah, all the tears. Rest in peace. Um, And so Connor and Latham, this isn't, I don't think, I'd have to, again, I don't remember the season one finale at all. 
I don't think this is technically the first time they met. Maybe I'm wrong and maybe it is. Uh, but this is definitely like Latham welcoming Connor into the fellowship program or whatever. Yeah. Um, my whole thing is so, okay. So in this scene where they're like welcoming each other, like you can see Dr. Latham's um, seat seat hanging from under his suit, which, okay. I know I'm gonna have to explain that. So seat seat is part. It's the fringe that hangs down from a tallis, which is a prayer shawl. And a lot of, mostly people wear it like I have one. Mostly people wear it in prayer, but if you're a really religious Jew, you wear like a smaller one under your clothes at all time. Mm-hmm. So because Dr. Latham is a more observant Jew, like that's why he's wearing it and that's why you see it. And it just really like, on the one hand, I'm like, oh, that's so cool, like seeing that on TV. But on the other hand, I'm like, Ugh, they could have just done so much more with Latham's character and it kills me. Didn't you say, well, he's, he's an Orthodox Jew. Is that what he was or was he? Okay. Yeah. He's, I mean, presumably, I mean, if you wear a tallest like that, most of the time you're an Orthodox Jew. And like, he's definitely Shomer Shabbos because he won't do things, certain things on Shabbat. Um, but yeah. So what does that mean? What you just said? Not Shabbat before that. Shomer Shabbos? Yes. So basically, if you keep, if you're Shomer Shabbos, like, you won't do things like, you won't do, like, if you have, like, an electric, um, like, key card or something, like, you won't touch it, like, that, because it's electricity and you're not supposed to work or anything on Shabbat. Like, I remember in an episode, and I don't remember which episode it was, like, he wouldn't even do things like touch the elevator buttons to I go do down. I remember that, like, yeah. Because that, like, it, Shabbat had already started and, like, you're not, that's considered, like, working and using technology. Like, you're not supposed to use any form of technology on Shabbat. You're not supposed to drive. So, like, a lot of people, if you're super religious, try to live close to a shul or a synagogue because, like, you're not supposed to drive. So, you need to walk to shul um, on Saturday morning. Uh, but what that's, like, for the more observant. What? What is shul? Shul's temple, like, synagogue. Got it. Um, and if you're really religious, you go to shul on Saturday morning as well as Friday night. And so, but you can't drive, so you have to be able to walk because um, you can't drive or do anything. So, and that's where Latham falls into it. I don't, that's not me and that's not my lifestyle, but that's where Latham would fall into his observation. And I just think it's really cool to like see that, but then it makes me angry because I'm like, they never did anything. And I'm like, I get it. He's a recurring character, but like, come on now. Yeah, it was just kind of an interesting anecdote about him. They never really did anything with it, aside from, like you were saying, with the elevator on Shabbat, and that was about it. Well, especially because when I, re- like, when I went back and watched how much episode, like, how much of this episode there was, like, Jew- like Judaism and, like, Hebrew and all that stuff, I'm like, they really kind of milked it in this episode, and then, like, they never went there again, and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Because, like... Okay, so later on, that's that scene, or in that scene, they're talking or whatever, and Latham, like, kind of calls out Connor, and he's like, I'm curious, or, as there are rumors, like, he's like, did you kill him? And Connor's like, the fuck? <laughs> like, him isn't Downey. Yeah, him isn't Downey. Latham asked Connor straight up if he killed Downey. And Connor's like, the fuck? <laughs> like, whatever? And he's like, no, I didn't. And then they end up moving on or whatever. And we also get, like, our first indirect Ava reference because mm-hmm. Latham says, he's like, 
I wanted this girl from, I re- don't remember the name of the place in South Africa, but something Groot. Mm-hmm. Groot I don't remember what it is. Um, and he's like, yeah, I just wanted you to know you're not my first choice. Okay, bye. Who like, starts okay. a conversation with that? Latham, man. I know. Somebody's Latham. like, you weren't my first choice. That's not going to motivate me to work harder. That's just going to make me think you hate me. Well, and they ended up butting heads further. So this is where – so they end up doing their first surgery together on the girl's father, um, Natalie's patient's father. And, like, they can't get along in there because, like, Connor, at least in Latham's opinion, Connor's, like – undermining him and Latham ends up literally cursing him out so in Hebrew though which I thought's an interesting way to get around it so he says the whole thing he says he says Benzona Al-Tsa'at I can't even read Al-Tsa'at's been OT which means like son of a bitch like don't make me mad like don't piss me off oh my god Uh, but yeah Benzona literally means like son of a bitch damn which I thought was just interesting that they can get away with it because it's in Hebrew um but it's just like, yeah, like they're literally butting heads so hard. And he, um, Latham literally says after that, he's like, I know what I'm doing and I don't like being contradicted by a fellow while I'm operating. This was such an, like, it was almost kind of out of character for Latham because he never did anything like that ever again. Right. And that's what I'm saying is so they set this Latham up in this episode with like, all this Hebrew and all this Judaism stuff with, like, the death blessing and this, you know, the cursing in Hebrew and whatever. They do all this stuff, and then they kind of change Latham when they realize he's not maybe going to be around as much mm-hmm. and becomes, like, way more recurring. But it's just so interesting to see Latham in this episode. I just – I think it's fascinating. Yeah, that is interesting. And then later – I mean, Connor handles it pretty well. Again, I'm, I'm way more of a hothead. I would not have handled that as cool as Connor did. But Connor's like, you know, you were angry before. And he's like, oh, I'm not mad. Like, that was kind of odd. Yeah. Just kind of – I feel like we got off to a very weird foot with Dr. Latham. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's just, it's so interesting. I, I would have rewritten Latham as a very different character, but that's just me. I mean, he ended up being a really interesting, great character. But he really didn't do anything. Like, he, to me, he wasn't as interesting just because, like, they took the most interesting aspects away from him, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I understand that. Like, he just kind of became, like, Okay, like I'm gonna mediate April or Ava and Connor. Okay, like I'm gonna be a mediator essentially is what he became. And I mean, I know I said this when we covered the season finales, but now that the code has been canceled, I would like to see him come back. But with Connor and Ava both gone, it probably won't happen. Sad. No, which is sad. Yeah, yeah, which is sad. Otto Essendo is a great actor. Yeah, but like I said, I just thought it was funny that they could get away with him cursing because, or cursing indirectly because it's in Hebrew. Well, that's funny because I never realized that that's what he was saying. I mean, you know, of course, when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, God, he's like screaming in Hebrew. But I didn't realize he was pretty much just cursing him out. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't like I knew what Benzona like Benzona was, but um, I didn't like knew the other part. So I looked that up. But yeah, Benzona, son of a bitch. Al-Sa'at ben Oti. Don't make me mad or don't piss me off. Jeez. Damn. Interesting. So elsewhere in the episode, we just had some other little notes here. Because, again, this is, I mean, the season premiere of any season, it's usually just to set up the forthcoming episodes and the rest of the season. So this was pretty easygoing. But 
Will is having a hard time finding malpractice insurance because as much as we love him, he can't follow the rules. Yeah. Just, nope. This is also when April has TB, which is another little thing I forgot about. Throwback. Throwback, yes. And so April's worried about Tate and his son, and, you know, she doesn't really feel clean, even though she, you know, who she is. Like, her, her TB is pretty latent, but... You know, um, Will actually, like, gives At good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, like, Because April's, like, wait, she's, like, so occupied with this. And Will, after everything he goes through in this episode and, like, seeing the dad pass away and come back to life and whatever. And he's, like, basically he tells her he's, like, learned to deal with things. Like, life not life's not perfect, but it is pretty great. Um, and so then she, like seems to all of a sudden like kind of let go of her tv and actually like kiss tate like what she didn't want to do because she was so afraid of it spreading Mm -hmm. um so yeah i just you know i feel like this this episode pretty well encapsulates will because it's like i feel like the angel and devil on his shoulders are like they they kind of operate with like equal force so like you know he's got time he's like you know those commercials with the candies and like they tattle on the kids and it's like first they're sour then they're sweet like that's Will. Oh yeah. <laughs> Will is a sour patch kid. <laughs> so pretty much. Yeah, and so I think this episode really like fully encapsulates him because on the one side he's being such a dick to Clark, but on the other side he's giving April pretty good advice. So Will is essentially a, a, a he's a redheaded sour patch kid. Not wrong. I would have never thought about that, but not wrong. It just came to me. <laughs> it's a good comparison. Also, the other thing I forgot about in this episode, Dr. Charles has a second daughter. Yeah. I I literally forgot all about that child. I thought Dr. Charles had, like, a lot of kids. I don't remember. Like, I don't remember that, like, at all. Like, so what happened to this daughter? Like, do we ever see her again? We never see the little one again, no. So which life is she from? Like, I have so many questions. I don't remember. Yeah, I just, I remember, for some reason, the anecdote of him having six different kids with six different wives comes to mind. But that might have been one of those tidbits that they release, like, to tease the show, and then it gets changed, right? Because Goodwin is supposed to have four sons, and we've never met any of them. Goodwin has four sons? She's supposed to. But I don't remember I don't remember where I heard that from. If that was another anecdote I heard before the show started or if that was like a season one tidbit. God but yeah, I just I literally forgot. I was like, oh right, Dr. Charles has another kid that's not Robin. Yeah. I was just like, what the fuck happened? Like we've never seen her since then. I have so many questions. Yeah. I know. Like, are she and Robin close? Like, well, like I like I have so many questions. I, I, yeah, I don't know. But it's, it's, they've, they're half siblings, right? They've got to be half siblings. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, because, I mean, Reese alone, they have to be half siblings. Yeah. Hmm. So many questions. So many questions. I know. Are there any other notes about this episode that we're missing? No, but I just, I think the thing that I keep, like, stressing or, like, I kept thinking about was just, like, man, Med was so, it's not even that long ago, right? Like, it's only been, we just came off of season four, but, like, it's such a different show. 
Yeah. Like, it's so different. Yeah, it's wild. It, it's night and day. Like, the way it looks now versus the way it looked then is just so crazy. Yeah, it's wild. So crazy. So, yeah, that is about all we've got for tonight. Um, as always, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. If you like the show, which we really hope you do because you've made it to the end of this episode, please, if you would not mind, drop us a rating and review on iTunes. We would so greatly appreciate that. It also helps people find the show. So, you know, we can broaden the conversation, turn more people into shy hearts. would be great. Uh, yeah. And so follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Bryna. I am at Bryna K13. Uh, Schedule-wise, we got something special for y'all next week, and that's all we're going to say about that. So, yeah. yeah. In the meantime, everybody have a good weekend, and we will see you then. Bye.